Good morning, everybody, and welcome once again to our Sunday morning time together here at the Digital Cathedral. I hope you're having a, a wonderful Sunday morning. You've got your cup of coffee all brewed and it's hot, and you're ready to get into a little bit of the Word this morning. I think we have a, a good one. If I were to put a title on this one, I would call it Raising Sonship Vibration. So that might be a, a little foreign word to you or might be a little bit of a red flag. I don't know, but we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before I get into that, <clears throat> I have to share with, share with you a message I got this week that was really interesting um, from a man. I get a lot of messages every week. Some are, some are encouraging, some are not so encouraging. But this one was interesting. He, he said this. He says, is there an, it's a comment below the YouTube video. He said, is there an actual congregation? It's odd that there is no noise other than his voice. But he is spanning the crowd, it looks like. Anyone else find this a little weird? <laughs> I answered him back and I said, I, I do the taping in an empty physical building. My crowd is the digital cathedral. And it is true, I do span, and I'm going to tell you why I do do this. First of all, it's because I'm, I guess it's out of habit. I mean, I was a pastor for 50 years, so my style is kind of developed. That's the way I am. But honestly, those of you that watch on the digital cathedral, I, I see this auditorium that I'm in filled with people. I see faces in every chair, and the faces I see are those of you that are watching. I feel very connected to you. So um, when I move around and I look, I'm actually looking at you. I know the camera's right there. But I see, see people all in this building, and I feel like I'm connected to a lot of people from all over the world. So yeah, the, the, by appearance, if you're moved by what you see, yeah, the building is empty, but I'm not moved by what I see. I believe what I don't see, which is an, an entirely full building with people from Australia, from India, from England, from every, almost every state in the union we have contact with. So, but that was a great question. But then uh, he did another little, little uh, post after that, which I thought was good. He said, oh, I forgot to say, this sermon was amazing. So uh, that's good, right? Let me pat myself on the back for that. <laughs> this, this sermon was amazing. He said, I'm going through the Embracing Your Identity series right now, and it's a game changer. So, you know, if I were just to have read the first comment, I would have thought, when I first read I thought, the guy's being a little bit critical of my style. But then when he puts the second comment in there, you know the guy's really tuned into what we're doing. So, if you're watching this, my friend, thank you, it was a great observation. Yeah, it's true, there's nobody here. And yet, the cloud of witnesses is here. <laughs> Paul is here pulling it out of me when I teach grace. And I feel like you all are here cheering me on as well. All right, let's begin this morning, having said that, let's begin this morning over in Colossians chapter 3, talking about raising your sonship vibration. Colossians chapter 3, and let me read just the first two verses. Paul said, if you are raised with Christ, stop right there, you are raised with Christ. You were crucified with Christ, you were resurrected with Christ, so you were raised with Christ. And he said, if you were, he said, then seek those things which are above not on the earth, the things that are above. You get it? I want you to get, seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Then in verse 2, he says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. 
So Paul tells us two important things in this passage of Scripture that we're to do. And there's a reason he tells us to do this. He says, uh, seek things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Now, if we were to take that out of a little bit of Christianese, which all of us have heard about setting our mind on things above, let me bring that over into the dimension of science for just a minute. In science, we would say, we wouldn't say, seek those things which are above. We would say, raise your vibration. Raise your frequency. Now, the word vibration is not a bad word. It's, it's not a new age word. It's one of those words that uh, in, in some areas maybe has been stolen to mean something other than what it really is. But it's, 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 it's a word that we <clears throat> shouldn't feel like it raises a red flag. Spiritual vibrations are pure spiritual energy. It's a thing that spirit, spirit conscious is made of. And you can, you can raise your spiritual vibration or you can lower your spiritual vibration. For example, the fruit of the Spirit... Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, meekness, mildness. All nine fruits of the Spirit, when they are uh, integrated into your life, they raise your vibration. You're, those are things that are not earthly. Those are things that are above, right? To put it back in Christianese. So when, you, when your life, when the fruit of the Spirit is growing in your life, it's fair to say that your vibrational level is increasing. Now, the fruit of the flesh on the other side of the scale, lowers your spiritual vibration. So you, you create spiritual energy or a vibrational level by, by your thoughts, what you fix your mind on. It's, it's all about thoughts and focused attention. Wherever you focus your attention, that's the level that your spiritual vibration goes to. And uh, that's, that's how your spiritual consciousness either expands or narrows. Now in Proverbs chapter 3, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, I think, uh, I think he had some good things to say about this. I want to read a couple of verses out of Proverbs uh, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 5. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's a focused intention, right? That's, what, that's where you focus your attention. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. Your own understanding, natural understanding, is an earthly understanding. He says, don't lean that way. Not even lean toward it, right? Don't even, don't even think about that direction. He said, all your ways, acknowledge him, focused attention, and here's the result. He will direct your path. So when you, when you get your, your, your vibrational level, your focused intention on, on the kingdom, on the Lord, trusting in him, then the result of that, it puts you on a, on a frequency where he will, you hear him, and he will direct and guide your paths. So the work of the spirit of truth today is to raise our spiritual vibration. And the way he does that is several ways. And we're discovering these. One of the ways that he raises our spiritual vibration is by revealing to us our authentic identity. Haven't you noticed that? That as you have made spiritual discovery after spiritual discovery, as you have seen revelation after revelation, it seems like your life now is being elevated to a different plane, to a different level. All right? We could call that to a higher vibration. As you have <clears throat> uncovered the mind of Christ, which you have, that again has raised your elevation. The spirit of truth is bringing you to an understanding that is elevating you 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That raises your level. This whole thing is about spiritual growth and development of the sons and the daughters of God. And I don't, I don't think we really um, think about the amount of effort and the amount of work that the Father through the Son and the Spirit actually expends in developing us as sons. I think it's, that, that's fair to say that we cannot measure, we can't even put a measure on the amount of spiritual input that the Father through the Son and the Spirit does in our life in order to develop us so that we can manifest the kingdom in everything that we do and go out into the world and give a strong, good reflection of a loving Heavenly Father. That's, that's what he's after. So the way, the way he does that is by continually revealing our authentic identity, the mind of Christ, bringing us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Listen, that is a process. That is a growing process that as sons and daughters of God right now we're undergoing. But it is a process. Paul went through the process. Let me read you the process because sometimes when we read about guys in the Bible, you know, it's contained in just a few verses. So we get this idea that it was kind of spontaneous. It just popped up in a way they went. But I want you just to get an idea for your own life, because I don't, I don't want you to get discouraged about this journey you're on. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the trip. But it is a journey, and it is a time-consuming journey and trip as the Father through the Son and the Spirit pours into your life, continues to elevate you, and he encourages you, seek this. Seek the things that are above. Don't set your mind on things on the earth. Now look, look, look how Paul lived. Galatians chapter 1. This, this is the dynamic that happened in the Paul life of Paul. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15. Paul says, When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, so right off the bat, this guy spends three years by himself and what is going on during this three years? What I want you to see is this was not an immediate happening. What was going on during these three years is his vibrational level was being raised. God was pouring into him. He was developing him. So after three years, it says in verse 18, he went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and he spent 15 days with him, spent two weeks with Peter. Then if you come down to chapter 2, verse 1, it says, then after 14 years, I went up again. What I want you to see is we have a span here in the life of Paul where he went through this process of 17 years. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. This is a guy who had tremendous spiritual background, but all of that spiritual background was baggage after he had a revelation of Jesus, and that baggage had to be dismantled, had to be dropped off of him before he could enter into everything that God had for his life. Jesus himself went through a process. It was longer than Paul. He went through a process of approximately 30 years. So you and I, the message is you and I are in this full swing of a process and I have said transformation a lot of times, but the Lord corrected me this week. He said, I'm not bringing you through a transformation. 
I'm bringing you through a transfiguration. And the transfiguration you're coming through is unlike anything the earth has ever seen. So I begin to think about, okay, what's the difference between a transformation and a transfiguration? Because Jesus was transfigured on the mount when, when, um, when Elijah and Moses appeared, when Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the mount, and he, Jesus was transfigured. So I, I, looked, I looked at what transfiguration actually means. Transfiguration means a complete change in form or appearance. I go, wow, that's incredible. Because a transformation is when he takes something the way it is and moves it into, you know, to appear maybe a look, fixes it around a little different. A transfiguration is a complete change in form or appearance. And that's what he's doing with us. You are not the same person that you were five years ago. If you're following with me every week, look, we're, we're changing right? We're not transforming, we're being transfigured, and it's, it's been since the resurrection that it's been all about Romans chapter 8, the appearance of a people who have been brought forth for this time and this hour, and the people that are being brought forth are completely different in form and appearance. Maybe some of your friends have even said to you, you're not the same person I used to know. See, you haven't just been transformed, You've been transfigured. So it's been all about Romans chapter 8. There's four or five verses in Romans chapter 8 that give us a tremendous insight into what is going on in our individual lives today. So let me read this for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So one of the things he's doing, he's developing us. He's teaching us how to be led by the Spirit of God because we're sons of God. That's an inward leading. That's, so the soulish leading, the mind, the will, the emotions, being subject to all of the input that come from our physical senses, that's being set aside. That's, being, that's dying. It's undergoing a death, and it's painful. Because sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. There's an inner leading. All right, verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of the world again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father, relationship tightness, no separation. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's where, that's where the, the, the bearing of witness comes. It's his spirit to your spirit. Your mind may doubt it sometimes. Your emotions may say you fouled up too many times. You're not a son, but the spirit still bears witness with your spirit. There's still something deep within you that says, you know what? This is the path. This is the trail. This is where my heart is in all of this. Verse 17, and if you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. Now that's what, he's, that's what he's bringing us up to. That's why our vibrational level, our frequency needs to elevate. We need to seek the things that are above because we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus. We will never grasp all that is involved with that, all that's intended in that, until we come up higher in our understanding, right? Until our consciousness expands to that. Daniel speaks about those that know their God that they will be strong and do exploits. They will be strong. Now, if that doesn't light your fire, then your wood is wet. I mean, that's, that's, an, incredible, that's an incredible verse. We were wired. We were wired to be sons before we ever showed up on the planet. He, he, he fixed us that way. He made us that way. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 
29. I probably should read. If you haven't underlined this verse, this, this is one of, the, uh, one, of the, in, one of those verses in Romans 8 that is absolutely mind-blowing. It's one of the most inclusive verses in all of the New Testament that shows we are all included. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Our Calvinist friends have taken that word predestined and they've perverted it. They have made predestination about God has predestined some and not predestined others. But there's a qualification in Romans chapter 8 verse 29 about predestined. It says all those that God foreknew. That's a very, that's a very inclusive word. Because God foreknew all of us. He foreknew you and you and you and you and you. There's nobody that's watching today on the digital cathedral that God did not foreknow. He knew all of us. None of us showed up by mistake. God didn't do a face palm when you popped out of your mama's womb and go, this was, a, this was a complete surprise. I didn't know you were on the way. He foreknew you. And if he did, then he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, it, that, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop there. It says, moreover, those that he predestined, those he also called, and those that he called, he justified, and those that he justified, he glorified. So he moves it all the way from those that he foreknew all the way to those that he foreknew would be glorified, that they would, that they would have the manifestation of the presence of God. That's what glory, that's what glory is. Glory is a, a manifestation of the presence of God, a visible, tangible manifestation. So you are going to be that glorified representation of the Father on the earth. That's what he's predestined you for. So how, how, does, how does that all come about? Back in verse 19, he says, the, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. He goes through all of verse 29, but he gives us a clue in verse 19 that all of the world is looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. Who are these sons of God? They are those that God foreknew. He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Then he called, he justified, and he glorified them. All his work, all his planning, this is what he has done for us. Now, let me just push your button a little bit. Let me raise your elevation. Let me raise your vibration this morning. Because as a, as a manifested son of God, I think there's something that we need to highly consider that many of us in the body of Christ have not even thought was in the realm of possibility. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let me read for you verses 50 to 54. Ah. I'm going to resist the temptation to just take off on these verses for the rest of the morning. But I've been, I've been, there's some heavy, heavy duty stuff here. He says in verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Now a mystery is something that you don't see right off the bat. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. You got it? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this, incorrupt, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So then when this 
corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal's put on immorality, then shall we be able to pass along the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now we have put that passage of scripture off into the future somehow around a rapture or a second coming of Jesus. I'm not going to get into to those, that passage, but it has nothing to do with any of those future events. It's talking about how the sons of God are going to manifest themselves. And the scripture speaks very plainly of putting on immortality. Immortality. In fact, Paul says it again to Timothy over in, in 2 Timothy. Uh, let me read this for you in case that was a little bit hazy for you. Let me read this to you from 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. He has saved us and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Man, that, you should be running around your living room shouting hallelujah on that one. The grace to save us was given to us in Christ before time began. Now watch this 10th verse, because this 10th verse is a, is, a, is a game changer for the sons of God it says, but it has not been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, watch, who has abolished death and brought life and not just life, he has brought immortality to light through the gospel. I don't think we can speak about our full manifestation, and you may want to chew on this this week. I don't think we can speak about our full manifestation as sons of God unless, unless we talk about this immortality, a.k.a. also known as resurrection life. The scriptures speak of putting it on. You know, we, we have it, it's like a coat in the closet. You have it, but you need to put it on. And it has been so far removed from us, this idea... <clears throat> that nobody can take our life from us. Sickness can't take it. People can't take it. That, that's what Jesus said. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down, I pick it up. If you're a son of God living in resurrection life, then that is, that is true for us too. The Bible speaks of a new body. Not when we get to heaven above, if you hold to that, that uh, perception of heaven being off somewhere, but another level of abiding that is linked to another level of life now that is awaiting the sons of God. There is a place that we can enter into as sons of God that Jesus has entered into where we, where we do not die, where immortality becomes reality. This is, I think this is one thing Jesus was driving at in Matthew 6.33 when he said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Focus. Get your focused attention on the kingdom. That becomes, that becomes the thing that we, that, we, that we zone in on. The kingdom. That, that becomes our reality. That becomes where we live. And he said, when you do that, then all these other things will be added to you. The other things that will be added to you are not, not just a new house, a new car, uh, a better job, whatever material thing you're looking at. The things that are added to us are all on a higher, on a higher spiritual plane than what most of us have ever considered. So how, how does this come about? How does it come about? 
you will put on, you will become whatever it is that you see in the Father. And I've been hammering on this for weeks now. I've been hammering on it for weeks. Catch it if you haven't caught it. To see is to change. You don't really change until you see. When you see, when the revelation comes, the revelation carries with it the power to become what you see and the power to become it is in an instant. It's, all about, it's about being conformed into the image of the first son. So the father's job is to work the ability to see in us. You, you, can't, make, you can't make yourself see. He has got to come and he has to disclose. He has to unwind. He has to show. That's his responsibility. Once we see then, our responsibility is to respond. And in that response, based on what he shows us and we see, based on that response, in that response is the power to become what we see. Did I go too fast? Let me say it again. It's the Father's job to work the see into us, to where we can see, S-E-E, to where we, 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 we get the revelation. Our responsibility, once we see, is to respond to it. And in response to the revelation of what we see, there is within the response the ability to become what we see. Paul had it right in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 when he said, he said that it is this. It is God who works in us. He's working in you. He's working in your inner man, in your spirit man. And he's doing two things. He's working, first of all, he's working in us both to will. He puts the will in us, which the will is to see, the will is to become, the will is to conform. He works in us the, both the will and the power to do the will. It is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So look, that's his responsibility. Now, there's some areas of that verse that are a whole lot easier to work than others. When God works his love into you, that's a fairly, you know, relatively easy thing to demonstrate. You see it and you demonstrate it. God worked it. It was his will that you love, so you, you did that, all right? Immortality is a little bit more complex. It involves an aggressive faith that is fueled by the vision that God has branded us with. You, you put on what you see. You, we will never enter into that resurrection life. And I know that the idea of immortality shocks you. It scares you. It seems la-la land. Resurrection life is a little bit more Christianese, and we, we relate to that a little better. <clears throat> when the Bible speaks of resurrection life, it's talking about life that never ends. But you, if, you, if we don't see it, we can't enter into it. So get, get used to your relationship. I, I, here's what I want to plant into you right now at this point in the teaching. Get used to your relationship with the Lord being in this continual state of flux because he's always pulling you higher. He's always wooing you to another place. He, he's not going to let you get stale. He, he's going to keep you growing. He's going to create a spiritual eyesight that's always changing. And as it changes, as your eyesight changes, the prescription for the lens that you look through has to change. So the perception is always, always, always shifting, always moving to a different place. He's writing you out a different prescription. You can take down to the optometrist and get your new spiritual eyeglasses. 
He's not going to let you get stale. He's, he's not going to let you get passive. He's always wooing you to a higher place. That's the path of a son. And sometimes I'll, I'll grant you, sometimes it gets lonely because our friends stop at lower places. They're not seeking the things that are above. Their vibrational level is not increasing. So when you're in a church full of people that have all decided, okay, we got it. This is the, this is the, uh, you know, this is the creme de la creme of doctrine. This is a good place to stop. We can all stop here. But you, you desire to push on. It can get a little bit lonely because most people settle along the way someplace. But you're not a settler. If you, if you were a settler, you wouldn't be watching on the digital cathedral. You're a pioneer. And a pioneer is totally wired by the father differently than a settler. See, he's, he, doesn't let, he doesn't let pioneers get comfortable. Settlers get comfortable. Settlers put down roots. They build a house, they build a building, a city, and they settle it, right? That's all the further west they are going. There were people that didn't stop in St. Louis, Missouri, when we were pushing, when our ancestors were pushing west. Some went on to, you know, further west, and some didn't stop until they hit the Pacific Ocean. They were, they were pioneers. They, they didn't settle. We have, right now, seen in part. We, we've just got part of it, and we want to see more. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This, this, says a lot about how this, the, how this thing works. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12 says this, for, <clears throat> for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and some settle for seeing in part. And what you see in part is good. It's, there's nothing wrong with the part. But for you, that's not good enough. Now we know in part, then I shall know just as also I have been known. Now I've got to tell you something. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. The light he has always seen you in. The light that he has always viewed you in from his eyes. That light is going to shine on us. And this is where I think the changing in an instant comes. The light in which he has seen us shines on us. And now all of a sudden, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, we're going to see us in the same way that he has always seen us. And that's entirely different. Most of us are still seeing, just that we don't have an estimation high enough of ourselves as he has of us. So it's time to fully come into the kingdom realization. It's time to fully know and see the kingdom as being here and being now. So when you seek out the kingdom first with priority and tenacity, you find yourself becoming more and more aware of his presence that fully surrounds you, the cloud of witnesses that are around you. His presence is the kingdom. Seeing the kingdom opens, opens the valve, man. It just opens the valve to, to a, a sense of his tangible presence. We all know that God is with us all the time, that he's omnipresent. But there's something about a sense of tangible presence. And what I've experienced in my life is when the more kingdom conscious I, I become aware of, the more I'm aware of the kingdom, the more I'm aware of his presence. 
In, in the kingdom, this is where the angels ascend and descend. This is where the cloud of witnesses reside. This is, this is where the encouragement comes for you to move on. This is where you find uh, hope that will stabilize you in spite of everything that's swirling and going on around in your life. It is in, within the kingdom, but it's a place you step into out of this world. And we read at the very beginning where Paul said, set your mind on that kingdom. Set your mind on things above. Don't put your focused attention on the things of the earth. Seeing into this dimension is, is where you see resurrection life. There is no resurrection life in this realm of earth as we know it. Resurrection life is in the kingdom. So now which dimension are you going to live in? Are you going to live in this dimension or that dimension? By virtue of sight... You put on and see that new body that does not deteriorate. You see that now. So we've, we've been speaking about vibration. We've been speaking about frequency. The higher your vibration, the more consciousness you develop. And that consciousness that you develop brings more of an awareness of your oneness with him. It's all about levels of being. When, when you heard in church, I, I, I'm sure all of you that are in the digital cathedral this morning, you've heard a lot, of, a lot of teachings in the past in church about going to the next level. There's always another level to go to. Actually, what they were talking about was moving to a higher vibration. Did you ever notice you never got to the next dimension? You never got, never got to the higher level? Because we didn't know that moving to the next Dimension, raising our vibration, involved a recognition of our identity as divinity. That would never cross the mind of church folks to confess their identity as divinity. We wanted to keep our confession of we're just mere humans, but wanting to move to the next level. You can't, as a mere human, move to that place. You have to recognize that you're not. So is there a frequency? Is there a vibration to sonship? Absolutely. Where, where, does, where does the Father dwell? Where does love himself dwell? Love is the highest vibration in the universe. God is love. So the more that you love, the more you tune into the vibration that he has. He dwells, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 says that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So his, his frequency is light. It's, it's light that's brighter than the sun, S-U-N. Th then we read over in John chapter 8 and verse 12. Look at this. John chapter 8 and, and verse 12. Strong verse here. John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke to them again and said, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is saying, I, I have the same light the Father has. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Oh my gosh. Life there, Zoe, the God kind of life is only found in the light. God is light. He is life. Jesus said, I am the light. I am the life of the world. He that follows me doesn't, he comes to another vibrational level. He comes out of darkness and he comes into light or he comes into life. 
Then in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill. Jesus said, nobody takes a light. He's speaking to the Father and himself. No one takes your light and puts it under a bushel, puts it under a basket, but in fact, puts it on a lampstand. He elevates it so that all the world can see your light. Now, the light that it says in 1 John 1, 5 that the Father has, the light that it says in John 8, 12 that Jesus has, and the light that you have in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 are all the same word, phos, P-H-O-S. All three scriptures. Now, listen to me very carefully. Listen to this very closely. As your awareness expands, as your consciousness expands, your light grows brighter. Your vibration elevates. And as your light grows brighter, as your, as your vibration elevates, darkness is absorbed into that light. Light cannot stand in the present, darkness cannot stand in the presence of light. The kingdom of light begins to manifest through the sons of light. If you've seen my light, you've seen the Father's light. Love is the thing that will give you the fastest increase a vibrational level to conform you to the life of the Father. God is love. Jesus perfectly demonstrated that love. You want to move to his vibrational level, then love has got to surround your life. Everything in God's creation is composed of energy. And that energy continually vibrates. And it vibrates, everything has a unique frequency that it vibrates at. Now, I've never said this before in public, but I'm going to say it today. I think there are kingdom of God mysteries to be revealed that center on vibration, like healing. I think, I think cancer has a vibration. When we find out, when we're able to, to enter that vibrational level, when we get that down, we're going to be able to cure cancer. Longevity of life is all about vibration. Soundness of mind is about vibration. Heaven is a frequency within creation that you enter into or access by the same level of vibration. So when you, when you move into heaven, uh, it's not off yonder somewhere. It's a frequency within creation. Those that are in that frequency, those that are in that vibration now, those that have gone on before us, the cloud of witnesses, they are more keenly aware of our surroundings and what it is we're doing and thinking than what we are. Come on now, Jesus understood frequency. Jesus understood vibration. He walked on the water. He walked through crowds without being noticed and observed that wanted to kill him. How did he do that? He simply changed his level of vibration, which changed the boundary of reality. So to walk in different dimensions of reality, it all hovers around changing your vibrational level. Jesus came and he paved the way for us. We're just starting to understand some of it. We're just starting to enter into this. Jesus paved the way. He said this, he said, with God, all things are possible. We all believe that, or we say we believe it. 
Then he comes over in Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, and he moves that now to you. And he says, all things are possible to you if you believe. What is believing? Believing is an effortless response to revelation. As revelation comes on vibration, frequency, as the mystery is solved, you respond to it. And what you respond to, you see. And what you see, you can possess. I'm telling you what. We're crossing. We're moving over the threshold, guys. This is exciting. This, this is a new stretch. It's a deeper level of sonship. The next level is going to change our frequency. It's going to change our vibration. Love without condition is the highest frequency in the universe. The deeper he works in you, the more you become like him. The more you become like him, the more you walk in love and the baggage that has, that has held you down, that you've been carrying, it goes, it leaves. As the weight comes off, like, like a hot air balloon, when the weight comes off, you ascend. You move higher. You move closer. Let me say it like we are teaching this morning. You move closer to his vibration. All of these things we're talking about this morning. The vibrational level of sonship. All these things await the sons of God as they take their Christedness into the earth at whatever level it is you understand and have it. Now let me, let me say this. Listen, let me say this. The things I'm talking about this morning, don't make the mistake of putting them off into some future time or event. It's not future tense, it's now. The church has never possessed anything I'm talking about this morning because we've put it off to the rapture, the second coming, all of, all of these things that he intended for kingdom living to, to produce and for us to enjoy now, we've put off. Jesus said, what is it, in John 4, he said, don't look out at the field and say, you know, it's 10 months to harvest or 6 months to harvest. It's all in the future. It's going to be good someday. We get, we get to cash in on it sometime. He said, no, he said, look around. He said, fields are white unto harvest. It's now. What's been prepared, the harvest that's been prepared is for us to enter into now. Every change happening within us is radiating light out of us. More light is coming out of you than has ever come in your entire life. You're changing the world that you live in. It's changing every area of culture and it will only get stronger and brighter and more evident. It's it's the modern day shot heard around the world. If you would have told me 10 years ago, five years ago, that I would be standing here talking to people all over the world who are awakening to the same truth that I'm standing here declaring, I never would have believed that's possible. The things we're entering into is the shot that's been heard around the world. You're having an effect on everything around you. You, my friend, are the light of the world. The folks, the God light, the God changer. You're not a God chaser. You're a God changer through your activities. You say, well, man, it sure doesn't look like it in my life. 
If you'd read some of the messages that I get every week, you, you know people are, are struggling with this. It's, it doesn't look like it. Well, let, let me just say this. A lot of it has to do with the preparation I've spent the whole time teaching on this morning. And the preparation goes on internally within you before it ever manifests outside of you. Paul, 17 years. Jesus, 30 years. Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. David, year after year, tending stinking, smelling sheep while God developed him. A lot takes place within before it ever manifests without. It's first the seed, then the blade, then the full corn in the ear. It's the 30-fold. Maybe that's what we're manifesting as sons of God right now, 30-fold. Then it becomes 60-fold. Then 100-fold. Right now it might just be, you know what? This is a possibility, immortality. Then all of a sudden somebody breaks through it. Then the hundredfold is we all walk in that kingdom reality. There will be a generation that does. I absolutely guarantee you of that. So what do we do today? What, what is our call? Our calls keep moving in the flow. Keep the kingdom first. Learn today what needs to be learned today, knowing that tomorrow morning there's going to be fresh manna. Learn what you learned today because what you're learning today is going to be stale manna tomorrow. Will the completion of sonship training, will it just happen? Is, is that transfiguration instantaneous? It might feel like it is when it finally hits. When the full blade in the, in the, in the ear, when the hundredfold hits, it might feel like it is because everything comes together at one time. We read Paul said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Once again, man, it's all about your sight. The world is blind. The world is growing darker. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 60, the first six verses, I don't have time to read it. You can read Isaiah 60, verse 1 through 6. It could, be, it could be the letter to us today. He says that darkness is covering the earth. Gross darkness to people. But he says this, a light is arising on you. He said, arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise and shine, your light has come. Arise and shine, the light is in you. And the glory, the manifested presence of God, the glory of God is upon you. And he goes on and says what will happen as a result of that. People will come from all over the, all over the world. All over the world looking for you. How many of you post on Facebook and people from other countries respond and say, thank you for saying what you said, that really helped me. See, people are drawn to us. They didn't know the internet when Isaiah wrote that. He didn't know anything about the internet. He knew nothing about connections worldwide, and yet he gave a pretty profound right-on word. There's a light that shines on you, and by contrast, as the world gets darker, your light looks brighter. The best thing that can happen for the kingdom of God is for it to get really dark in the world. The darker it gets, the brighter you look. You are the light of the world. You're a city that is set on a hill. I say this in absolute conclusion. The light that you ex exude is kryptonite to the darkness of the world. It's come to a time you're not going to be able to hide your sonship. You get it, you see it, you experience it, and the entire world of spirit 
is going to know it. Amen? Let me just pray for you real quick. Father, I just ask today that you would take this word, seal it into our hearts. May we see the development that is arising within us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Father, may we not limit you in any way in our experience or what we see. But as you see, we respond and we manifest all that belongs to us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty, awesome name. Amen. See you next week at the Digital Cathedral and Wednesday Night Live on my Facebook page, 8 o'clock Central. Have a great week. We thank you for being with us today on the Digital Cathedral. We trust that today's teaching helped you in your journey to the abundant life Jesus has freely given to all. If you would like to help support us in spreading the gospel of grace, you can do so by going to donkeithley.com to make your donation. We thank you for your prayers and continued monthly support and look forward to seeing you again next week at the Digital Cathedral.